God is good. His faithfulness is good to, towards us. Amen. Lord Jesus, we come before you, Father. We're grateful for everything that you do in our lives, your protection, your love, everything that we've claimed that you do for us, Lord. These tithes and these offerings that were lifted up, Lord, we ask that you multiply them and continue to allow it to be a blessing to this ministry, Lord. Open up our uh, our eyes, Lord, to what you've given us here and the church that you've given us, Lord. We're grateful for it, a house that we can gather and unify ourselves, Lord, and hear your word. We're asking, Lord, that you just bless, bless uh, uh, this community that we're in, Lord, and just continue to bless us. We also ask, Lord, that you open up our ears and our eyes, Lord, to your word tonight. Uh, which you've inspired in my heart, Lord, that I could speak uh, from you, Jesus, and you alone, Father. Again, Father, we're grateful for your love for us and for speaking to your church, Lord. We ask this all in your precious and holy name, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless everyone, brothers and sisters. Y'all may be seated. God bless the group this evening. How is everyone doing? ¿Cómo están todos, hermanos? Bendecidos? Pues, lo quiero, lo quiero ver esta noche. I want to see it this tonight, amen? Um, because we can show it through acknowledging God's word with amens. Praise the Lord. Lo podemos enseñar, hermanos, con diciendo amen. Gloria a Dios. Me está hablando Dios a mí. Uh, we can claim that God is speaking to us this evening through his word. Amen. I'm excited uh, in the conversation that I have with God today and everything that he showed me. I'm excited through trials and tribulations and strife and everything that gets me to the place where I can hear God's voice uh, and know that it's him that's speaking to me and, and showing me and guiding me. Amen. Uh, so this is a very personal moment that a lot of people might not understand until uh, you hear God's voice and how God exhorts uh, the the preacher, how God um, inspires the preacher, how God um, guides the preacher, uh, and how God works in the heart of the preacher. Uh, and as, uh, as I've mentioned many times before, there's a great weight and a great burden in bringing God's word, uh, but it's less weight when you allow God to speak through you and allow God to guide your heart and everything. Amen. Uh, so I'm very excited for the word this evening. Estoy bien agradecido, hermanos, esta noche por la palabra que Dios me dio ahora. Como estaba diciendo que Dios comienza con el predicador, le habla al predicador, le exhorta al predicador. Todo comienza aquí primero, pero lo inspira el predicador también. Y eso doy gracias a Dios por su palabra. Siempre doy gracias a Dios por su palabra. God bless uh, the kids this evening, brothers and sisters, and the youth, as they're excited and ready to be inspired at their level, amen, uh, at their age group. Uh, I'm very grateful for um, the teachers and that the kids have uh, an excitement to go to their classes, amen. I was talking to my youngest one today about the class on Sunday. Uh, and he was on point. He was on point. I was checking. I was checking him, and he knew what they talked about. Praise God for that. And and it sounded like it was a good message. So we pray for inspiration. We pray uh, for the teachers. Amen. Because they are also attacked by the enemy, uh, discouraged by the enemy. So parents, we have a responsibility. We can say thank you, or we can pray, and we must pray. 
uh, and be grateful and be thankful. Amen. And not not uh, fall asleep. Uh, brothers and sisters, tonight's title is See What God Has Given to Fight Your Battles. We must see what God has given us, amen, to fight our battles. Uh, there are little nuggets in the Bible that we've read and we've it's been inspired by. There's things that we know and that are just obvious, but sometimes we forget while we're in battles. Uh, and we must understand what God is telling us in that. El título esta noche, hermanos, es vea lo que Dios ha dado para luchar en sus batallas. Uh, y es cierto, hermanos, todos nosotros tenemos armas que Dios nos ha dado, nos ha dado a nosotros. Y debemos practicarlos, debemos uh, tenerlos con nosotros siempre. We should always have these weapons uh, that God has uh, given us, has armed us with. Uh, if we find ourselves sometimes where we're uh, feeling defeated, look to see what your arsenal looks like. If there's times that we feel like we're uh, lacking strength, look to see what your arsenal looks like. Look to see what you're carrying with you. Look to see what you didn't have that day. Amen. The first thing that God has armed us with is the cross. Amen. He says for us to carry our cross. That's a very big weapon. That's a weapon that the enemy does not ever want to see us have. Is the cross daily. Humility is something that the de- the enemy does not want you to have. He wants you to have anger. He wants you to have revenge. He wants you to ha- be um, uh, in a position to where you're in control and you, 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 you have rights. This, you, this, you, this. When it becomes all about me, then I forget about him. Hermanos, muchas veces el enemigo, el, el arma que tiene el enemigo que teme más de todo de nosotros es la cruz. Llevando la cruz. Porque Dios uh, sabía que eso era un impacto que podemos tener en nuestras vidas. Es un impacto que podemos tener con personas en nuestras vidas. Si estamos cargando la cruz de Cristo. Cada día lo necesitamos cargar en, en pensamientos y lo que estamos uh, pasando, hermanos. Si tenemos la cruz, tenemos un ganancia que no podemos imaginarnos, hermanos. Porque es como el, el Jesús uh, venció al enemigo. Es en la cruz. Amén. Y resucitando en, en la cruz, hermanos. Brothers and sisters, you know, I, um, I, I, I want, we're going to be speaking from 1 Samuel 17. And we're going to read a lot of verses from 1 Samuel 17. It's one that we've read before. It's one um, that we've mentioned many times. We're going to look at it a, a couple different ways. I love, this is what I love about the word of God is that uh, if you think you've read something, you think you've known it until you take a different look at it in what you're going through, the circumstances that you're in. Lo que me gusta de la Biblia, hermanos, es podemos leer una cosa en, en un diferente tiempo de nuestras vidas y los habla diferente. Lo que estamos pasando Señor es maravilloso en cómo los habla en lo que estamos pasando. Por eso su palabra es preciosa. Vamos a leer algo que hemos leído muchas veces. Uh, I wrote down this comment right here that I uh, that God again was 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 talking to me in preparing this. Um, and at this point right here that we're going to start reading uh, in verse in chapter 16, uh, Samuel had anointed David because God has sent him. Uh, to anoint him the next king of Israel. In, in, some, pra- in some past uh, um, preachings that I had mentioned about this, um, God didn't want to have a king in Israel. God didn't want a king of Israel, uh, in Israel. 
Israel went through a dark time. If you start to read in the books of Judges, there was a dark time that Israel went through. And they became very envious of of countries around them that had kings. And so what they wanted and what they did on their own, not with God's permission, is they elected a king themselves. Not a king that was anointed by God. So we have to understand the problem how this started already with Saul. As we understand when, when, when God's anointing David, it's because he's lost the interest in Saul that was something that was forced upon the people. Study your Bible and understand your Bible a little bit, bro, so you can see these things and understand why God was never with Saul because of this. And we see here in chapter 16 that David is now anointed, but in 17 was very interested and we start to see the heart of David in chapter 17. We understood, we, we don't fully understand why God picked him. He says, Samuel, you look at the outside, I look at the inside. And we start to see the inside of David here in 17 and what God had been preparing. So I'm excited for that. But um, here we see David at this point, he's been preparing uh, most of his life for what's going to happen in 17. And it explains it in 17 as, we, as we'll read it. He had encountered a lot of challenges up to that point. But this was going to be one of his greatest challenges that he encounters in 17. And we all know the story of Goliath. At this point, it's not the greatest that he'll have in, in, in his life, but at this point, it's going to be the greatest challenge he'll have. But he had had challenges in his life. And a lot of times, brothers and sisters, uh, we don't understand the challenges that we've had in life to the challenge that we encounter that's in front of us now. Muchas veces, hermanos, no entendemos. Vamos a leer algo que hemos leído muchas veces de la historia de, de David. Vamos a ver en, en 16 que uh, vino Samuel y lo ungió, ungió a David. Y iba a ser el, el, el nuevo rey de Israel, escogido de Dios. Pero Dios tenía un problema con Israel porque uh, ellos querían un rey porque muchos países alrededor de ellos tu, tuvieron reyes y ellos pensaron, ¿qué país somos nosotros si no tenemos un rey? Porque estaban de lejos de Dios en cómo se estaban porta, portando. Por eso dicen que los, los libros de jueces son bien oscuros ese tiempo. Estamos leyendo... Uh, el ejemplo cuando comenzamos de, de leer de Samuel. Como la palabra de Dios no estaba tan, era algo bien precioso porque no estaba tan libre. Porque Dios no estaba tan libre para hablarlos porque como estaban viendo. Los, los tiempos eran uh, oscuros los tiempos. Mucho maldad. Pero leemos aquí y escribió una cosa que... Y, hasta este punto, era un, un, un joven, pero tuvo muchas pruebas. Llegando a este punto que está aquí, en 17, que vamos a leer. Tuvo muchas pruebas, pero esas pruebas no se compararon a lo que iba a experimentar en 17, en el capítulo que vamos a leer. Pero tuvo pruebas. Pero un pensamiento, hermanos, que muchas veces no pensamos es muchos de nosotros hemos, tu, tu, uh, hemos tuvido pruebas en nuestras vidas. 
Pero no lo hemos visto como preparación para una cosa que vamos a encontrar que podamos vencer con Cristo. See, a lot of the times we go through a lot of things in our lives. And each one of you has a story. And each one of you has testified of things that you've gone through. But we, we got to understand that they're preparations for things that we will go through. And David was a perfect example of this and, and, and when we start to read this. But I'd like for us to start, if we can, in Matthew 10, 34. How many of you all rejoicing this evening? How many of you believe God has something for you this evening? ¿Cuántos de nosotros, hermanos, aquí estamos gozando esta tarde? ¿Cuántos creen que Dios tiene algo para ustedes esta tarde? Dios tiene algo para nosotros, hermanos. Yo, yo creo que Dios tiene algo para nosotros. Somos su pueblo, amén. Somos sus hijos y hijas aquí. Y debemos glorificar a Dios, amén. Porque lo merece. Matthew 10, 34 reads, amén. Sure, we have it right here, amen. No penséis que para meter paz en la tierra. No ha venido para meter paz, sino espada. We've read this verse before, right, brothers and sisters? Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. You see, brothers and sisters, this is kind of a, a verse here that we got to be very careful as believers too because there's one side that will just take that and not want any peace of God and to plant peace and to plant love. And they just take this one and they just, they're carrying the sword and don't care. They're the Peters that are cutting off ears. They're the, they're the ones like, uh-uh, uh-uh, I don't have no mercy because God, you think God came here to bring peace? He came to bring a sword. But what God does here so eloquently he starts to establish what the power is of the sword, which we're going to find out what the sword is. Because you can see a God that is putting back a soldier's ear when he just said this statement is seeing the power of what the word is, which we're going to see here what the sword is. Muchas veces, hermano, entendemos que la, la palabra de Dios es la espada. Y lo estaba diciendo Dios aquí, pero hay muchos que creen que, uh, oh, no, 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 es que, es que Dios quiero que, quiere que, que mata con la espada. Porque hay mucha gente que nomás creen que deben hacer eso. Pero Dios lo explica y lo enseña como ejemplo que era Dios. Dios tenía un corazón por el pecador. Sabía que no tenía mucha Y le hablaba, le amaba. No amaba el pecado, pero le amaba al pecador. Y gracias a Dios que le amaba al pecador, ¿no? Porque lo hallamos siempre en nuestras vidas, siendo, siendo ese pecador cuando Dios los llamó a nosotros. You know, thank, thankfully that God, you know, he, he loved the sinner. Right? There's some people that don't love the sinner here. We've got to understand that God loved us at one time. You know, God wasn't social distancing himself from the sinner. He was speaking to the sin in the sinner. And as, as perfect as a surgeon is, he was hitting the points that needed to be hit and removing the cancer that was there. And that's what God has given us if we put that in our hearts. 
that we want. Give me wisdom, God. Give me the ability to be different. Maybe I haven't done it right. We question ourselves as like, maybe all these years I haven't been doing it right. God, give me a new way of doing it. A way that's the way you would do it. Inspire me in that. Hebrews 4.12. Hebreos 4.12, hermanos. Porque la palabra de Dios es viva. Y eficaz y más penetrante que toda espada de dos filos. So la palabra de Dios es que? Es viva. So the word of God is alive. And it says and quick and powerful, right? It's powerful. And then it compares it to a sword. But I don't see a sword alive. I can see a sword maybe being powerful. I don't see a sword being quick either. That's who holds the sword. But it gives the example that the word is what gives the power to for us. The word is what we need to have in our lives in battles. Hermanos, la espada no tiene nada de poder si nomás estás colgado en, una, en un poder. No tiene poder. A sword doesn't have power if it's just hanging on a wall. It looks good, but the person that holds the sword determines the power of the sword. So, brothers and sisters, it's important for us to understand how powerful this word is for us to have in our lives. Es importante, hermanos, para entender qué poderoso es tener esta palabra de Dios dentro, teniéndolo en, en, en nuestras vidas, teniéndolo en, teniéndolo en nuestras vidas, para aplicarlo. No siempre es aplicarlo a otros, pero aplicarlo a nosotros. It's not always to apply it to others. A lot of us have become what our society is, and it's you, you're the problem. You're the problem. You're the problem instead of I'm the problem. There's got to be more of I'm the problem, and I need to fix it, instead of everything around me is the problem. But we see here that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any, any two-edged sword. Porque la palabra de Dios es viva, eficaz y más penetrante que toda espada de dos filos y que alcanza hasta partir el alma. Now, this is where it just gets. Esto no, no, no se entiende aquí, hermanos. Here you don't understand it because then it says, and piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. So, again, I see a, a sword on the wall. Somebody gets it. And they hit me with it. They're going to hit what's flesh, right? The word of God goes beyond that to what's hidden, to what you can't see. It's impacting. Lo que no puedes ver, la palabra de Dios está teniendo impacto en la alma y el espíritu. Y las coyunturas 
y, des, y, y desierne los pensamientos y las intens, intens, intenciones del corazón. Uh. I don't think you understand how much power you have in the word because the word is going to show you what it says here. It says of the soul and spirit and of the joints of the marrow and discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. ¿Qué estás sufriendo ahorita en tu vida? ¿Estás dudando tu esposa, tu esposo, que te aman? Aplique la palabra de Dios. Oh, ¿Por qué dijiste eso, hermano? Porque es poderoso aquí, hermanos. Porque eso va a enseñar en intensas, inten, intenciones del corazón. The word of God is what's going to show you the intents of what's in the heart, of your thoughts. Apply the word. But see, We're, we're, we're not understanding the power that we have in the word. No estamos entendiendo, hermanos, el poder que tenemos en la palabra de Dios. Y muchos de nosotros estamos, no, no, no lo estamos guardando dentro de nuestros corazones. No estamos queriendo aplicarlo. Estamos, ya es, ya es de mucho. Ya hemos oído eso. Ya hemos leído esto. Pero estamos nomás viéndolo colgado en el padre. Some of us are so used to hearing this. We've, I've read this before. And this is, and it's like looking at the sword on the wall. Until you grab it. Until you use it. Until you apply it is where you see the power of it. So, brothers and sisters, let's keep this in mind. And I'd like for us to turn to 1 Samuel 17:20. Si podemos voltar, hermanos, por. Primera de Samuel 17, 20. I titled this section, The Heart of David, as we begin to see David's heart here in this verse. We read here, you can read it later on, brothers and sisters, but up to 20, it's explaining what's going on in Israel. Remember, 16, David was anointed. In verse 20, we start reading here, And we start here in 20, and it says, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and, w and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. Now, brothers and sisters, one thing that's very important, we start to see the heart of David here. Why? Because his father asked him to take some cheese and bread to his brother's. Because they were in battle. But it says something that's pretty interesting is that David, even though in the previous chapter, we don't know the time frame in it. It's not specific three days later, a day later, three months later, six months later. It doesn't, it's not specific. But one thing that is specific is that David went back to doing what he was doing before he was anointed king. He was tending to sheep. David didn't think of any, him anymore. David didn't go get a credit line at the bank and say, hey, I'm going to be the king of Israel. Can I get a little loan here? Maybe get some new sandals, a new, some new gear? No. Because we start to see the heart of David where God 
had been working with this child to youth. And now we see that why this is so impressive because he takes the sheep and gives it to the keeper there and he goes and does what his father tells him to do. If you want God to fulfill the purpose that he has for you, look at every single thing that's coming at you and make sure that your head doesn't get too big. Make sure that things don't happen where you forget who God is. Because you could be having your moment that God has prepared your entire life for. Help us, God, to acknowledge these things. Que es bonito aquí, hermano. Vemos aquí que David estaba guardando ovejas. Le dice su, su papá que debe, que necesita ir a llevarle a sus hermanos comida. Y lo hace ya en el capítulo antes, diciendo que era, él era ungido de Dios, de Samuel. Pero todavía estaba humilde. Y es una cosa bonita. Para tener el corazón de David. To have the heart of David. And we see here, we keep on reading here. And, and again, you know, these are important characteristics. And I wrote down a couple of characteristics that God could see in a king which is humility, courage, gratitude, and identity. These are things I want you to just keep in mind that David showed not only up to this point, but he shows moving forward. Humility, courage, gratitude. Read the book of Psalms if you don't know that. Identity. Even though you see that there was trials and tribulations within his own family, not even being called upon when, when Samuel came to anoint to look for the next. Could you imagine that? You think you've been, you've been forgotten to be invited to a party or to, to maybe your own birthday party? Somebody's forgot to invite you to your own surprise party? David didn't even get the call from his own family, from his father, when he was asked to get your sons together. But he still had an identity. It's interesting that it doesn't say his father told him. It says Jesse. It's, the Bible kind of does some of those things too. It's not the first time. But there was struggle there for David. He had problems. But he had a mighty God. And when you read in the book of Psalms and you read the Psalms and, and if there was depression there, if there was loneliness there, you hear him shaking it off. As he stood in, you know, sat in the fields, seeing God's galaxies and stars. Could you imagine back then? Now your phone, the light of your phone doesn't allow you to see the skies because you have it on. But in the darkness of the night, seeing the skies light up, saying, wow, God, you are amazing. David had this. We keep on reading here, 21. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. Now, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't the big part of it right here because this was normal. This has been going on. We've seen this. We've seen the battles with the Philistines. 
it's normal. It's kind of like, oh, okay, I guess it's, it's battle season because the battle had been there we, as we've read through the, the, through the Bible. What was going to be different about this? This approach was going to be different this time from the Philistines because they were going to go out of network. They were going to go out of their normal and how they were going to approach this battle. Verse 22. And David left his carriage at the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. Now, brothers and sisters, now a lot of us can say, I mean, this, this is pretty normal stuff. I, 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 again, I love just reading the Bible and, I'll, and I'll, even just reading it right now, I'm like, man, it's like, it's like I've mentioned before when you used to hear movies on the radio. How many of y'all remember that? You hear TV on the radio, right? It was just, you just imagined everything, right? Even before that, we had TV, but there's people that never had seen TV, and that's the way. When I read stuff like this, I can just see a young man. He's not under, maybe not understanding the impact what it is, but he, man, he wants to see what's going on, and he runs up, sees his brothers, salutes them. Hey, they're probably annoyed with him. But still, It's beautiful how the word of God just grabs you and you start to see it and experience it and imagine that you've seen enough battles on TV. Thankfully, maybe a lot of you, a lot of us haven't been in battle, but we've seen it and imagine what this was going to be. Verse 23. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up a, the champion, the Philistine of Gath. Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spoke according to the same words. And David heard them. Now, brothers and sisters, what's interesting is that this person wasn't even a Philistine, but it's like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, you could be a Philistine. You could be on our team. They didn't have recruiting issues like they do now in teams. You could actually bring in some bigger people. Because the Philistines... You know, because Israel had always been dominant in situations because of God. The Philistines were looking for everything, every opportunity here. And they got a person that they were born in battle. Their people were known for battle. So this enemy was prepared for this battle. This enemy knew of this battle. But we start to see that Many who were there were ready for battle. Vemos aquí, hermanos, que todo lo que estaba pasando hasta este momento, no sabía David lo que iba a ver, sabía que era un, un guerra, es guerra, ¿no? Y no te dice la palabra de Dios que corrió para ver sus hermanos, no entendiendo el impacto que era, que era la guerra, hasta que esta persona aquí comienza a hablar. It was just normal. This is battle. You know, we, we battle. This is a season of battle. We're going to go battle. Then this person comes and talks, and we see how quickly things turn from this. So I think that and, and, and I wrote here as a, as, a, as a side note that isn't it interesting that in chapter 16, God anoints David as the next king 
And then in 17, he puts them in a position to be seen by everyone. Powerful. See, how many of us would complain about, you know, what God was setting up in being in this moment? How many of us have complained in the past? ¿Cuántos de nosotros, hermanos, qué bonito es aquí que leemos en 16 que estaba ungido David de ser el nuevo rey? Y 17, la batalla viene, el guerra viene para que todos puedan ver quién era David. Qué preciosa es Dios en cómo hace cosas. How precious and how, how, how God thinks of all things. So what's interesting here is that David's there. Goliath comes out and speaks and we see here and, da- and it says, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, verse 24, bro. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. So everybody, when they see this person, you got to imagine, right? Again, a person, if this is all this person's known and this is their people, they're, they were famous for weaponries. They were famous for things. This is their life. People see this and that person like, man, I don't, you know, I just come in for some of these things. That's, I do it for more, more of a photo op than I do for getting into battle. I thought I could get a couple of pictures from my social media page and I'd be out of here. But I'm seeing something that's, that's, not, that's not normal here. Nunca ellos han visto, han visto alguien como Goliath. ¿Cómo se dice? Goliath. Goliath. Nunca han visto ellos el pueblo de Israel. Lo oyeron. Y lo vieron y corrieron. They saw him, they heard him, they ran. So what's going on here? What's happening here? What's different here about the people of Israel and what we're going to see in David? Again, I set it up by saying the people of Israel, they struggled in this time. They were struggling in this time. They had lost their identity of, of who God was in their lives. And there's a big problem when you lose your identity of what God is in your life. Then you'll run away from things. David hadn't lost that identity. Maybe it was good that David wasn't so connected to his family. Because maybe if he was connected to his family, he would have ran too. But David was connected to God in moments where God would speak to him. And we keep on reading right here in verse 25. And the men of Israel said, have ye seen this man that has come up? Did you imagine the conversation? Now that they're back in the locker room. Have you seen this man that has come up? Not the army, this man that has come up. Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Now, what's interesting is that their vision brought fear, but then they also knew with what could happen if this person was defeated for the person that defeated him. 
Now, that wasn't enough to be brave because they ran. But when they got back together, they said, man, whoever defeats this person has got a, their meal ticket is paid for. ¿Qué cosa, hermanos? Vieron, corrieron, pero cuando comenzaron a hablar, dijeron que el persona que vence este enemigo aquí y se va a casar con el hija del rey no van a tener nada de necesidad ya pero todavía corrieron no era suficiente eso para que qué bonito es como Dios enseña el impacto que podían tener en su vida haciendo pero no ellos no my battle I'm out it's like it's like why did that even have to be said but it was said and we read verse 26. Leemos versículo 26, hermanos. And David spoke to the man that stood by him, saying, and that's interesting too. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't know, and I even wrote a note here. I said, I said um, you know, was David there in verse 25? But David question, you know, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Question mark. Now, what's interesting is that did, was David not there or was David making sure about what they said? They understood what he said. Because sometimes, brothers and sisters, while we're in the middle of something, we're not seeing clearly, hearing clearly. And David, it's like that moment saying, what did you just say? Did you hear what you said? Do you understand what you just said? And he even throws a little bit of a spice on it too by saying, the person that defiled Israel, this uncircumcised person, And, and again, I, you know, I wrote that note there just saying, I wonder if he, you know, if, if he was there or if he just needed to say, hey, guys, hey guys, wake up here, wake up here. You just realize what this person just did. We keep on reading here in verse 27. And the people answered him after this manner saying, show it shall be done to the man that killeth him. They repeat everything that they said. Still no savvy there because it doesn't say anything else on it. So verse 28, and Elob, his eldest brother, heard when he spoken to the men. Now, now this, this is where it starts to show you a little bit of history here. It shows you that there was problems in the house of Jesse here. And it says, heard when he spoke to the men, and Elob's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why camest thou down hither? First of all, he's annoyed, but look, look what he says here. He says, in whom hast thou left the few sheep in the wilderness? Oh, let me let you know who you are. See, so chapter 16 didn't even matter to these brothers. 
So again, when you're thinking you got it bad and you think you got family issues, and you think that oh, you're not respected or loved or wanted, start looking at what David, this is just some, some of the ending things here. You don't understand the beginning things that he went through until you read the books of Psalms and you see how he was rejected. We see here and it says, I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thy heart. Oh, do you now? This brother says this for some reason. I know thy pride and the naughtiness of your heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest mightest see the battle. So here we start to see a little bit of conflict because we just see in chapter 16, God seeing David's heart. We hadn't seen the brother's hearts yet. We see maybe some signs of envy here. So we're starting to see some of David's struggles. Verse 29. And David said, what have I done? You know, those words are hard. What have I done? Is Is there not a cause? Verse 30. And brothers and sisters, what's so impactful in verse 30 is this verse right here that it says, and he turned from him. And some of us need to understand what this, how powerful this is. Something that David as a young person understood the power of, okay, I'm gonna go back to what I was doing here. Because you can see that you would, or you would think that his family, knowing what just happened in chapter 16, would be supportive, would be encouraged, would be like, man, this person must have something from God. Man, man David, go ahead, David, talk, David. If they were having a Joseph moment here where it's like a little bit of envy. You mean your, you know, bells of hey, are going to be over ours or? And envy started coming over them. But David shows something very powerful here. He says, I wasn't called by you, bro. And he turns around and spoke after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former matter. So again, David's just like, hey, okay, uh, let's talk about this for a second here. Do you know who you are? Do you know the God you serve? Do you know what your God has done for you? Now, what's so beautiful about this moment, instead of David allowing his emotions to overtake him and the hurt from his past and the fact that even a few days ago or months ago, whatever it was, he didn't even get invited When Samuel told Jesse, get your sons at your house. What is David showing us here? It's so important for us to understand this moment, this moment that God is showing us that we can't use excuses to limit us from fulfilling God's purpose. 
And David just, David, David looks, okay, I'm going to go back to what? I'm going to go back to the conversation I'm having with. These people at least aren't mocking me. They're talking to me. And we see here what's so beautiful. Let's keep on reading verse 31 here. And it says, and when the words were heard which David spoke, now listen to this, brothers and sisters, this young youth kept on encouraging them, kept on telling them, really, really? You're going to let this infidel person come to us that's not even circumcised, that's not even talk down to us the children of God and this got them so <laughs> it didn't say that they went and fought but it got them so that it got to the king at the time it doesn't even say the king it just says Saul because Saul's really not the king anymore because we remember they got to Saul and we see an example here of of what turning around puts you turning into a different position and also now talking to another authority. But if David never does that and he stays with what will keep him where it's at, he's going to stay where it's at. And how many of us are staying where we're at? How many of y'all are staying where you're at? Because we keep on staying, talking instead of turning around. ¿Cuántos de nosotros, hermanos, estamos todavía sufriendo? Podemos ver aquí que, que, que David, qué ejemplo, su hermano viene, que estás aquí, donde dejaste sus ovejas, yo sé por qué estás aquí, tú tienes un corazón de mucho orgullo, todas esas cosas lo estás diciendo, y David puede estar ahí, ¿por qué mi hermano siempre me habla así? No, ¿qué hace? Vuelta su espada, espalda, y ya no habla con él, y comienza, sigue hablándoles. How do you say uh, the warriors or army? A los soldados. Hasta el punto donde ellos dicen, ¿qué locura esto? Y toda la información viene al, no es rey, pero es Saúl. Y we keep on reading here in verse 32. And so it got to it got to Saul, and you got to imagine. Remember, Saul's Saul's already he's he's lost it, right? He lost it. He lost it. We know that he lost it, right? Chapter sixteen shows you he lost it. So you got to imagine he's lost it. That makes sense. He lost it. So you got to imagine he lost it. Some of y'all are distracted with things and maybe not understanding it, but hopefully you haven't lost it. You see, because he lost something, but he lost something greater. And hearing this right here is like, <laughs> I haven't heard this kind of stuff right here. This is crazy stuff right here. This, this, this is, bring him to me. And so David gets in front of him, and David says to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. 
Now, you know, who, who knows the time that this was taken, the span of time was taken, and who knows what some of the thoughts were, and like, oh, this is it's great. Look at this, guys. Guys, can you learn from this guy? Look at you. You're much bigger than him, and look at him. He's willing to go do it, really? You guys, I got, I got the best armies here, and this guy right here? We don't know what was happening here. But there was a courage there, and not only that, there was an impact in the words that God had put in his heart through the years that he was working with David. That Saul doesn't even, first go, go to verse 33 here. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he is a man from war and his youth. It seems ridiculous here, Saul's thinking. See, because Saul wasn't hearing fully David was saying. So Saul was kind of like Samuel was in 16 and just looking at his stature, not looking at his heart. And what got him in front of him was the encouragement of the armies, which becomes something that's very big in David and became, he became a great warrior. Verse 34, and David said to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. Verse 35, and I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Verse 36. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. So he could have just left it there, right? You would have thought that that would have been enough, right? Because, I mean, that's, oh, okay, I see your resume. I see you. I see you. Okay. Okay, you got a little bit of blood on your hands. Okay. You've been in, no, 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 no. But but he then adds to it here that the people of Israel need to hear. It's like, okay, I got, I'm not afraid to go because I've been in front of things. But then he says something. He reminds him. He goes, he goes, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Seeing he had defied the armies of the living God. Okay. All right, you're right. Okay. Besides that, I don't think I was hearing anybody else around me saying, you know what? Stand, stand down, youth. You've inspired me. I'm going. Still nobody's. Still crickets. But David is so motivated to stand before this enemy. Amazing. Again, chapter 16, anointed. Chapter 17, people are going to now know you and why I chose you. And that you weren't going to let your past affect you. You weren't going to let your what's in front of you affect you. Because you have put me in you. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Verse 37. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. <laughs> Beautiful. 
And Saul, Saul said, go. Said to David, go and the Lord be with thee. What point are we at when I'm sitting on a throne or sitting on anything and I'm hearing a young person tell me I'm a grown man and I'm hearing a young person tell me he's going? What point are we at? What point are we at? Understand the atmosphere. Understand the situation there. I tell you right now, brothers and sisters, I see things right now in today's state of where we're at in the in society. And everybody's like, oh, what do we do? Looking at each other. Well, we better be prepared to know what to do. And what we need to do is not forget who we are. Have you forgotten who you are? Because in moments like this, in confusion and fear, you don't want to lose who you are. And we see here that he tells them in verse 38, amen? And Saul armed David with his armor. And he put a helmet of brass upon his head. And he also armed him with a coat of mail. Now, brothers and sisters, this is that. Now it's getting, all right, this is the part of the movie, right, where the person's going to go into battle and he goes into the king's now. He's probably, got, he's probably in the king's armory. The problem is here is that Saul was arming him, putting stuff on him when it wasn't Saul that needed to do this. You see, you see, the Lord had already armed David. That's why David was there. That's why David was in front of the king. That's why David just got told to go. But see, Saul, he, he, he wants a piece of this action, right? He's like feeling, he's like, well, let's get him. Let's, let's make him look the part. And so verse 39, and David girded his sword upon his armor and he essayed to go and he had not proved it. And David said to Saul, I can't go with these. I've not proved them. And David took them off. You see, because brothers and sisters, you see, sometimes people won't understand when you're going through something and you're doing it and they're like, okay, I can feel what you're doing. Why don't you use this? I'm feeling, I'm feeling you now. Okay, okay. I didn't understand now, but I see, I see, I see a little bit of traction. Why don't you try these things? Okay, I didn't understand why you were going to church so much or why you're doing these things right now. But you know what? Why don't you read this? Why don't you do this? Or why don't you start listening to this? I want to help you. And then David looks and he's like, look, I got this stuff on me. I never had this stuff on me. And I was telling you about the stuff I went through. I didn't have this stuff on me. You see, brothers and sisters, sometimes you got to just listen to God's voice instead of listening to the voices that are around you. Say, okay, God, 
this is okay. This is, you know, he's a child still, right? Could you imagine? I mean, gold, brass. Man, this is nice. I should wear this, right? I mean, I should. I should. I should. I should. I'm not. Because what's in my heart and God being in my heart is enough. Ooh, ooh. We get so lost in what we, how we should look the part. But David was like, nah, 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 nah. I don't need to look the part. Because God's been with me. And we read here in verse, uh, in verse 40. And he took his staff in his hand. Chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. And put them into his shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. Now, brothers and sisters, he took stuff. You got to understand one thing. He took ridiculous stuff. This is, you would laugh at this stuff. I mean, put it, you would say, put it seat, So powerful, so who cares what you think about me? What 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 a confidence in him. It just got God's attention. This is those moments like could have had the sword, could have had the shield, could have had everything he needed to have. He could have just he was in the in the locker room of picking up the armory of picking up everything he needed. Give me some of that, give me some of that, give me some of that, give me those. It's a stick, it's some rocks little shepherd bag and a sling. And it's interesting when he first starts to walk up, we read here in verse 41 here. And the Philistine came on and drew near to David and the man that bare the shield went before him, 42. And when the Philistines looked about and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth a ruddy and a fair and of fair countenance. Verse 43. And the Philistines said unto David, am I a dog? You're bringing a stick and some rocks? But thou comest to me with staves, and, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Brothers and sisters, these moments that we encounter, these things that we go through, these emotions that will come, as we see here what's going on here, they're all either triggering us for a couple of things. One is to see if we're going to hold our ground and the confidence that's in us was inspired by something greater than us. But it's explaining that the, the it was bad enough that he encountered his his brother that was against him. It's bad enough that the king might have mocked him or people could have laughed. It doesn't say things, but you could imagine things. It's bad enough that people are doubting him and now wanting to make him into something else. And now he comes to an intimidating factor. Everything else was fine because they couldn't kill him, but now he's in front of something that can kill him. Do we understand 
the impact of being in front of something that can kill you. And so David sees this and hears this. And in in verse 44, he says, And the Philistines said to David, Come to me and I will give thy flesh into the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Verse 45. And then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to you with one rock I'm going to use. But I come to you just with, you know, a, a stave, a stick. No, no, David doesn't even need to talk about what he's coming with him physically. He makes sure he understands what he's coming with him that was, has been with him through all of this. You see, because David had been through things as we have been through things, and we've got to remind ourselves of these things when we're in front of the thing. And so, so, so David says, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. Now, now we're seeing a David in front of his enemy saying the same stuff that he was saying in front of his brother. Now, powerful statement here of confidence, knowing this, extremely confusing probably to the enemy. Doesn't even know where to go with it, right? Verse 46. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Chapter 16, David's anointed. Chapter 17, David declares that there is a God in Israel because people had forgotten there was a God in Israel. So the stage is set. And what's interesting is David says, he repeats back to Goliath what Goliath had told him, I'm going to kill you in the fowls of the air. But he says, I'm going to smite your head with, with what, David? You didn't bring a sword. You didn't bring a all you brought was a stick and a couple rocks. But it's interesting that he says, I'm going to take your head off and I'm going to put it there so the fowls of the air, so they'll know that there's a God of Israel. Sounds pretty gory, right? Everybody's like, ooh, ooh, what's this? What's going on here? But let's, 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 let's keep on reading here, right? Verse 47 here. And it says, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, because that's what he had, For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. 
Powerful statement here. He's like, you've come here with some stuff. I'm coming here with the name of the Lord of hosts. Verse 48. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David what? He didn't run away, right? That's powerful right here. You see, you see, brothers and sisters, this is why it's so important. When I mentioned at the very beginning, the courage, the humility, the identity. These things are so important for you to to remind yourself these things because when that moment comes here, when that moment comes that you're in front of your enemy, which way are you running? When you get the news, which way are you running? So the enemy ran. David didn't walk to him. David ran, which seems kind of odd to me because you would think that David would want to walk so he can get prepared because he's going to aim. But David ran, and it says, and he drew nigh to meet David, and David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine, verse 49. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine's forehead, that the stone sunk into the forehead. What a hit, right? And he fell upon his face to the earth. So this stone that he's running, he gets it out, hits the Philistine. It sinks into his head. And that Philistine Philistine just comes down face first, first, right? Into the ground. We keep on reading here. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Again, brothers and sisters, understand this. He didn't bring anything with him, but what he was what? What he had proved. He didn't bring anything with him, but what he was used to. He has rocks, sling, and a stick. All the things that he used to shepherd his sheep. But he gets there and he says, oh, wait a second. I said I was going to take your head off, didn't I? He doesn't have a sword here, so. And there was no sword in the, in the hand of David, verse 51. Therefore David ran on the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. some impact there there's some relevance to cutting the head off with their own sword and you see the Philistines run now brothers and sisters we come a lot of the times when we encounter these things and we we feel that we're not prepared we're not armed properly in times we're not times we're not in times we're in the wilderness and we're vexed our spirits down, we're not so motivated, we're not so this, but all you got to do is hear his voice. His voice will bring you to the living waters. All you got to do is get inspired by his voice. His voice will draw you in. doesn't matter how you came in, it's going to be how you leave out. When we hear his voice, he calms the waters. 
the unrest in us. But we see here that David takes the sword here, cuts the head off the enemy. And, and, and again, and, and he said he was going to do this stuff here. But I want us to, if we can, why don't we all stand up, brothers and sisters, if you could stand up with me. And I want us to turn to 1 Samuel 21.8 now. I want us to understand here now, here's another trial. Man, David Miles, you got to remember one thing, that the king, the kingdom wasn't just handed to him, right? He was running for his life. Once Saul found out that he was in him, he, Saul sent people after him. He just running. It wasn't easy for David. But God was with David. But this one wasn't just passed over. Saul fought to keep things, and, and, and we've heard about the stories of getting witch doctors and all these things. So David's running, and we start here reading, and David said unto, is it Amalek? Ahimelech, Ahimelech. And is there not here under thy hand a spear or a sword? Because David was running, that he ran out without anything. How many of us, again, we've been in situations and circumstances where we have and we're in front of something, and we're not prepared. We don't, we, we're, we're not armed. And, and so he asked him, he says, do you not have, you know, a spear or a sword here? And now he's at a place that's like a, like a, it's a, like a priest place. It's a place of prayer. He's kind of at the wrong place, right? It's not like he's at the field and stream or at the gun shop. And he asked him this and he goes, for I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. And then we read here in verse nine, and the priest said, the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here. Now, I don't think David put in his GPS, hmm, I need to go find something, put these coordinates in so I can go to where this is at. David walks into a moment where he's not prepared that he's been running, but he needs a weapon of what's after him. The priest tells him, hey, 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 I got that sword. Remember when you fought Goliath? You would think he would remember, right? It's only a few chapters ahead. We don't know the time again. You remember when you fought Goliath? I got it wrapped up here. He goes, it's wrapped up in cloth behind the ephod. If thou will take that, take it. For there is no other that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it to me. Oh, man, if we could just tell God, speak to my heart right, right now. God, speak to my heart.
Speak to my heart right now because my heart needs to beat again. My faith needs to beat again. David ran into what God had put in his, in his hands to defeat the giant, to, to fulfill what he said. And we see here, and it says, if we turn to verse 10, and David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to where? Achish, the king of Gath. The king of where? <laughs> where Goliath was from. It's Goliath's sword. But there is none like it. You see, brothers and sisters, there's times that we've gone through things. We've gone through things. Hemos pasado cosas, hermanos. Pero David sabía aquí la espada que tuvo, que cortó la cabeza de Goliath. Goliath. ¿Cómo? Goliath. Que Dios tuvo propósito ese día. How many of us are struggling right now? We're struggling because of we've forgotten who we are in God's eyes. We've forgotten the strength we have in God. We've got to remember these things, brothers, because these times, these times are evil times. These days are evil. And we've got to sharpen each other. And we've also got to be strong in our faith. I'm going to ask all of us, brothers and sisters, to let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we come before you, Father. We're grateful, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, your love, Father. We're grateful, Lord, because... In moments of despair, not knowing what we're going through, Lord, you have a word for us. In moments, Lord, that we might think a passage is repetitive and we've analyzed it and heard it and seen it and skinned it in a thousand different ways, Lord, you speak to us differently for the moments that we're going through. And for these moments, Lord, we thank you, Lord, because we realize you're still with us, Jesus. And if you're with us, Father, it, there's nothing that can be against us, Jesus. I'm asking right now that your spirit fall upon us, Lord, that the confidence come over us, Jesus, that we recognize, Lord, that it is you, Lord, and you alone, Lord, that have prevailed, that have kept us whole, Jesus. We give you honor and glory, Lord, for your protection, for your love for us, Jesus. I'm asking you to guard our hearts, Lord, but more than anything, Lord, for you to inspire action in our lives, Father, that we turn around from sounds that want to bring us down, Jesus, but that we turn to you always, Lord. If we're expecting our families to motivate us, Lord, we might need to turn around. I ask, Father, that we establish this relationship with you, Lord, and you alone, Jesus. Strengthen us, Lord, in our foundations, Lord, that we then can help our families. But we must be ready, Lord. As David sat in the hills with the sheep and you worked on his life, Lord, the depressions that could have been there from not being loved, Jesus, by his family, he felt the love from you. 
and you knew his heart, Lord, because he spoke to you out of his heart daily. Hear our voices today, Lord, as we cry unto you, Lord, saying, save us, Father. Save us sometimes from ourselves. Save us, Lord, sometimes from everything that's around us, all the noise that's around us, all the rumors that are around us, Lord Jesus. Because as you worked in David, you will work in us, Father. Oh, you're mighty and powerful, Jesus. But you're still the same God that was there with David today. We ask, Father, that you just enter into us, Lord, this new love and joy of our salvation, Father, and new trust in you, Jesus. That even though we've ran and years have gone past from where we encountered our Goliath, if we're walking into here right now to grab the sword that defeated him, Jesus, that we take it with us. You are mighty, God, and I thank you for encouraging our hearts, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you bless my brothers and sisters, Lord, that their want never outweigh their servitude, that we don't become a people of just wanting, but we become a people of serving. I thank you, Lord. I ask, Father, that you heal our land, Father, that you watch over all those that rule over us. And you are mighty, God, and you're, you're to be honored in everything, Jesus. And we ask this in your precious and holy name, in the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen.